Welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, business, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. Today we have an interview that Rebecca conducted with Frank Shelton and Deborah Fritz at their home in New Mexico. They discuss their work, their love of New Mexico, and what it's like to be married to a fellow artist. Without further ado, here's Rebecca Kroll. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio. This is the New Mexico edition. I'm here today with um, Frank Shelton and um, Deborah Fritz. And they are a couple, a married couple of artists that live near Abiquiu, New Mexico. And we've gotten to know each other a little bit last year and uh, hope to continue the friendship. They live in a gorgeous art-filled home, old adobe, and have studios and a gallery adjacent. And they, their work is quite different from one another, but also relates. So welcome, Deborah and Frank. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I'd like to ask a little bit about your background, and I'll start with you, Deborah, and uh, as an artist or how you uh, came to be doing what you're doing, and, and describe your work just a little bit for us. Okay, I'll go back to uh, college days, and at one point my major was drawing and painting until my father said, what are you going to do with that major? So I decided, yeah, I know, <laughs> uh, so what do I do with that major? So I did go into art education, and um, at that point, I feel like when you're a teacher, especially in the school system, you're constantly given so much of yourself to the students that I was not able to really develop my work. And I was only in the system for about 13 years. I was quite restless. Yeah. And, um, but it was good, it was all good. But during that 13 years, I would continue my study and with printmaking, painting. And then I did start taking ceramic classes Ah. because I did not know how to teach ceramics to my students. And I would go around to the different schools or different artists that I was interested in. And I really um, tapped on something that was different because I'm not approaching clay as a potter. Uh, And I love potters, uh, what they do with glaze calculation and everything amazes me, but I came to clay as a painter, which the way I treat my surfaces are different. I'm just very loose. I mix anything and everything and, you know, kind of looking for surprises. So my work basically is a ceramic. Uh, I, I work basically with the figure. Um, the female comes out a lot because I feel like it's telling uh, my truth, my stories. And uh, most of the pieces are multiple fired, meaning they go into the kiln anywhere from three to five times, maybe really? six times, just so the surface is right. I really like that layering. I know that I need depth and color. And that's from my painting background. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and your so there your work is figurative and it's female um, forms, but also often combined with other aspects of animals, right? Right, and the animal happened really after moving here. Oh, it did. Yes, yeah. um, but there's a little 
there is an edge to my work, uh, mark making, uh, metaphor, uh, symbols. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the figure. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, uh, as I say in some of my workshops, there's so much more. Yeah. So is there a sort of a narrative element to the piece, each piece? Definitely. I, I feel like if there, I can't make a piece if there's no gut in it. You know, I feel like there has to be some connection between me and the work. And a lot of times, you know, uh, I don't even know what's going to happen. I work Mm -hmm. very intuitively in the studio. And so it's um, at that point in my career that I don't pre-plan. I just go have this chunk of wet clay and see what can happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's very, I find very en- enigmatic and compelling, your imagery that you use. Um, and there does always seem to be a sense of um, mystery, symbolism, this power to the work that is very interesting. And um, just tell us quickly, and we'll, we'll have this again at the end of the, um, of the podcast, but tell us your website in case people are listening and right away they want to look. <laughs> okay. It's Deborah, D-E-B-R-A, Fritz, F-R-I-T-T-S, artist.com. Okay, great. Okay, great. So, and Frank, why don't you tell us a little bit about your work and yourself? Okay. I also have an art education degree in going to school in the late 60s and 70s. I bounced around from subject to subject and uh, was in fine arts for a while, was in history and was in philosophy. But finally I decided that uh, I got into art education, not because I wanted to teach. I never planned on teaching a day in my life. I only got because I could get out of school in a year. Ah. And so I graduated and then I taught 34 years. (laughs) So uh, fine arts. And so uh, if I was a young man, I would go back into teaching. I enjoyed every single day of those 34 years. Mm. And not only only did uh, uh, I enjoy the teaching, but I was probably motivated. I was probably motivated every single uh, day uh, Uh by something I saw the students do. And sometimes I'd go, oh, wish I had thought of that. And what what level... uh were you teaching at? I started out first two years in elementary school. Then I taught in high school for 30 years. Uh-huh. Then I taught at the University of Memphis for a year. Uh-huh. Then I taught at Jackson State Community College uh, for about seven years while I was teaching in high school. And so um, retired yeah. in 2001 and have been a full-time artist. Worked all through those 34 years, yeah. but nothing uh, uh, takes the place of being in your studio full-time. And, and tell us what you do in the studio. Well, I... Uh, Which pre- is where we are at the moment, by the way. We're in Frank's studio. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, what I've been working on for about the last year and a half, maybe possibly two years, I'm working on... An, started on an... Um, I had an old drop cloth. I, I got in, uh, in one of those moods where I needed to clean my studio. I just had too much stuff in. <laughs> so I started throwing things in my car to take them to the dump. One of the things that I threw in the car was a, a old drop cloth that I'd had for probably 30 years, and I'd taken it every place I'd lived. And once I threw it in the car and I looked at it, and I thought, no, it's just too good a material to throw away. So I came back into the studio, and just intuitively I got a pair of scissors, 
And the, the drop cloth was probably 32 by 36 or 38 feet. So it was huge. It would have filled the entire made, studio. Made out of canvas? Can, cotton oh, duck canvas. Yeah. And so I just got my pair of scissors and I started cutting them up in, in various sizes. And I made a decision that day I was going to work with drop cloth until I got through with that drop cloth. And so that you, as I think you can, you're the perfect person for this podcast called oh, The Messy Studio. Oh, The Messy Studio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you take something that you messed up yeah. and you saw the beauty in it yeah. and you're, you're using yeah. it. And so what you can see different, you know, there are different dimensions of, of, of the drop cloth. And I always go back and add paint on top and mark make on top of that. So the pieces collage. that I'm seeing on the wall here are that original drop cloth? Yes. They yes, are. They are. They oh, my are. gosh. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I got through with that drop cloth, then I started going around looking for other drop cloths. Yes. Every time I see a painter, a uh, house painter or something like that, and loading their trucks full of drop cloth, I will, I'll try to ask them and ask friends, do you have any old cotton drop cloths? So I've gotten three or four of them that way, too. So yeah. I'm still, as you can see, I'm still working with the drop cloths. Yes, you are. And they, yeah. so, they, so the end result is a very... Um, a layered look of yes. um, kind of atmospheric, abstract mm -hmm. work, and you definitely see the cloth. The cloth is coming through, um, and then layering of paint on top. And um, uh, so, do you, as you're working on them, how do you how do you compose, or how do you see what you're going to do with them? Well, before I answer that, I'll let you know that I started out being a still, you know, painting still lifes and figure pick figures and, and that type yeah. of thing. But that's been a long time ago. It was only after I went to graduate school and MFA that I started turning turning a turn to abstraction. They wouldn't even let you in this graduate MFA program if you were a realist of any kind. Oh. Now, once you got in, then they would you could go you could paint anything you wanted to. Mm -hmm. But they turned me to abstraction. And for me, uh, I, I started out as abstraction, but then I went more to what is, I guess, an art historical term called non-objective art. Mm -hmm. The subject matter is still there. It's just that it's not a, a tree or a person or a dog or, mm -hmm. or a still life, but it is simply lines and shapes and colors and textures mm -hmm. and values. And I've always compared non-objective art uh, like classical music, mm -hmm. where you're listening to pure sound. And that's what sustains me as an artist is creating these compositions out of those simple elements of art. Yeah. So very rarely do I ever have an idea of what I'm going to do once I start. I make a mark mm -hmm. and that mark suggests something else and it continues. Right. And at some point in the process, I will get a, 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 some, a hold of somewhat of an idea of what I'm going to be doing and work in that direction. And so this, this intuitive aspect is obviously something that you both have in common. Right. Um, the other thing I, I wonder about that you may have in common is I see these um, little figures on your walls here, little stuffed or wrapped uh, figures, and you're, you work with figures as well. Uh, is there a connection there between the two of you? I don't think so. Uh, well, certainly there's connection in, in that we're both working with the figure, but I guess the first, I call them secret keepers. Oh. And for me, this, the word secret is not a negative thing. Uh, it is, uh, I'm referring to those things that we hold dearest to us. Sometimes we may not ever share with another person. Yes. But so they're, they're, they're mixed media. Uh, they are, there's cloth and plaster and concrete and fabrics. Mm -hmm. 
uh, permanent inks most often for the colors. But uh, I, I first started doing these uh, secret keepers when I needed a diversion to painting. And yeah. so I switched to, I, I, I guess I've made the first one about 15 years ago. In the last two or three years, I've done a lot more. So you, you work 2D and occasionally 3D. Do you work occasionally in two-dimensional work? In my head, more than I <laughs> <laughs> You know, I really love painting, and I, um, I do draw not as much as I should. I think it's easy to get away from that. But... Um, if you go in my studio, you'll see a little section that has all the materials I've been nesting. And I'm really ready to get back into it. Mm -hmm. I love painting. And I feel like uh, since I paint so much with ceramic materials on the clay that I've continued the painting, it will be interesting to see what I actually do yeah. if I work on wood or paper it will be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, tell me a little about, uh, you You were not originally from New Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps our listeners can hear a little bit of the South in both of your voices. Um, so, tell me how you ended up here in this absolutely gorgeous part of New Mexico. I think for Frank and I, we started visiting and one visit a year went into two visits a year. And you're from Atlanta. Uh, we, um, we moved here from Atlanta, Georgia. Right. And uh, there was something about New Mexico that we felt uh, could um, help us grow as artists. Ah. And we finally decided, decided after many years of um, visiting that we needed to live here. And I felt if I did not live here, that I was denying myself something. There's a whole no, different way of thinking for me. Um, I'm a city girl and now I am in the country. You know, Abiquiu, we are a little town or village of about 1,500 people, 1,600 people. There's no, hardly any um, stores. How many buildings? About? I think there are 10 buildings in Abiquiu other than people's homes. Yeah. So it's been wonderful. And the beauty of all of this is that you work more. Yeah. You know, you're in the studio all the time. Right, and that's right. What a I few wanted. diversions. Right. <laughs> and it feels good. It, well, know. and I think maybe, um, do you, now you mentioned with your work that your work has changed since you've been here. What what influence do you find from the culture, the landscape? Frank, do you want to say anything about that? Sure. Um, we hike a lot and walk a lot in the desert. And I think through our walks that we're bringing back to our studios the colors, uh, a different color palette than mm -hmm. we were used to in the South, uh, a different sky different air. Uh, so I think that it's this openness and this quietness and this harshness at times that you experience out in northern New Mexico that force just forces you to look at things differently. Not only your, mm -hmm. your the landscape, but yourself and, and certainly your, your artwork. Yeah. Did you find it there was a transition period from... And now you mentioned you were back and forth from Atlanta for a while. Once you finally settled here, 
were you ready to open up to it or did it take a little bit? I know for me, especially the it's dry here. So the clay would dry out oh. <laughs> really fast. I'm used to the humidity in Atlanta. And so the clay would dry out fast and I would I threw away probably the first year's work. I, it just wasn't happening for me. Well, that must have been discouraging. Well, it was, but then you know what? We're all fighters. We're going to win. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. I'm going to keep hanging in there until I can make it work. And then finally, I figured out what clay body I wanted to use and uh, kept moving ahead. And I feel like uh, because of the amount of time that I put with my work now and also um, the animal spirit that is coming into the work now, I don't know, it's very strong. It's very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once, you know, Frank was talking about our walks, you know, the bone or what's left behind, what uh, remains uh. has really created a series for me and my work that I'm really interested mm-hmm. in what what remains, what stays when you leave. And it, Yeah, and it seems like there's so much of this landscape that feels very ancient and it feels eternal. And I mean, it is... There's a closeness to nature here that, um, you know, it, it's, it's very elemental. That's kind of my feeling about mm-hmm. it. Somehow it's just so basic and you can feel free when you're, you, there's a freedom of spirit, I think, when you're out in the wilds here and there's, it's just so open, so huge, these huge cliffs and huge sky and it's, it's really moving. Mm-hmm. I find. Just across our driveway is the Carson National Forest. And so as we walk out there, uh, you feel, as you mentioned, that you're the first person that ever stepped foot yeah. out there. And yet you, we know that this area in Abiquiu, all of northern New Mexico and Mexico, have thousands of years of Native American culture and uh, a very rich Spanish culture as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you know there have been a lot of people out there uh, <laughs> before, we, before we came. But... The thing, as far as the transition, did we have a, Did I have a difficulty in transitioning as far as my artwork? I didn't so much. What I found so fascinating was that my color palette changed. Mm-hmm. Not only just looking with my eyes and seeing the different colors here than the, what we saw in the South, but what I began to start doing very early on was as most people do out here, pick up rocks. Of course. And, <laughs> and it's the rocks that most often uh, I begin there as a color palette. And so I will look at a rock that I've collected and I'll see the colors there. And that's usually the the initial color palette that I start with. Now it may change. And I think the dryness that you you know you see in the rocks also has influ- influenced my, my work as well. Yeah. And I, I find there's a lot of things that also are almost uh, under the surface, like you know, um, not so not so much conscious decisions, but there's something about just being here that is, uh, it feels different to me when I work here. And it's a little hard to say exactly what it is. And, and I'm still going back and forth, I say still, because who mm-hmm. knows what the future will bring, but mm-hmm. uh, spending part of the time in Wisconsin, which of course is very lush and green, then coming out here and the contrast is dramatic. And uh, it's a it, dramatic is a pretty good word for everything here, <laughs> pretty much Certainly the landscape is. is. Right. Don't and, you think, though, being here, there's such an awareness with nature. Mm-hmm. And that awareness has been 
my teacher in the studio. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, even just a, an ordinary drive, like from where I live, if I drive up to Taos to go to the grocery store, just some mundane errand, and I'm driving up the Rio Grande Gorge, and I'm just blown away by what I'm looking at. And Absolutely. I think, okay, uh, going to the grocery store, but it's just like... <laughs> Very, Whoa. very nice trip to the grocery I'm store. I'm having a great time going to the grocery store. Uh, it's so different, yeah. So, so yeah, New Mexico, we love it. Um, and you have made a really a lovely home here, um, a beautiful adobe full of art. Uh, you're, both of your studios, you have a little gallery here with your work in it. I know you've made connections with artists in the area and you've found a real home here, so uh, that's wonderful. Um, and I guess I'd like to talk a little bit more about the fact that uh, you're both artists and you're a married couple. And um, I'm kind of curious because my own husband is not an artist, although he appreciates art. And, you know, he, he certainly will, will comment on my work if I ask him to and give me some feedback. But I kind of have to, you know, pull him into the studio and say, look at this, tell me what you think. And... I wonder how does it work? Your studios are right adjacent to one another. Do you tend to migrate back and forth or you kind of keep your own space? See that door? <laughs> the door. There, we, is, a, there we, is a door between them. <laughs> we do shut the door. Uh, it's kind of romantic to think that you could share a studio, but both of us listen to different music. We have different work habits. You can tell Frank is very organized and I will start a piece in the middle of my studio, which makes no sense at all. <laughs> so, um, but I really respect his opinion and I do ask him at times, hey, what do you think of this? Is this working? Because feedback is nice. It is. And being isolated like we are, because we're not in a community, you know, where um, most of the artists here are very private. And I feel like uh, that's one benefit that uh, I have uh, with Frank being my husband and being an artist. And I listen to what he says. I don't always do what he says, <laughs> but it's important to hear. Yes. And that that's very nice for me. Well, and, and you say the isolation is a problem for a lot of artists. And, yeah, you've got your, your feedback person right here. And mm -hmm. is, this works for you as well, Frank? It does. Uh, I think I mentioned to you before we started, uh, we have a door into my studio, a door into her studio. So when we're both in the studio... Rarely do I go th come through her door. Ah, right. I come through this door. Yes. And and to respect her privacy and her thinking time. And she will do the same with me. And as Deborah mentioned, we periodically will ask one another, you know, come look at it and uh -huh. just tell us, tell me what you think. Um, do you tend to talk much about your work just over the dinner table or on a walk or? I think that's very spontaneous. I mean, we will be taking a walk and he'll go, well, you know, the piece I'm working on or I think, but having a big discussion, no. It's just kind of, it just, it's your daily life. It is. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, and, um, you know, I find it uh, sometimes hard to talk about my work uh, when I'm not, you know, looking at it or there with somebody. And I, I, my, I, my husband and I kind of joke because he tells me, oh, today I... 
you know, did this or that on the house. I did these very concrete projects. And I say, hmm, well, I put some paint on, I took some paint off, and, you know, it's like, maybe I add a little more blue here, you know, it's like, um, it is hard, it's hard to talk about it when you're just conversing, and, you know, so this is really nice that you really can, uh, you know, have that ongoing conversation. Um, I think for us, it's kind of like when we stop in the early evening, we'll come inside and say, how was your day? Uh-huh. You know, was was it good? Uh, you know, I'll say, hey, I'm stuck on something. Right. It will be that kind of a conversation, right. which is good. It's, it's a day of work. Mm-hmm. Like many other people have work. a day of work, and you right. just say, how was work today? And mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But I think it's really, really good that you have that kind of basic understanding of the of the ups and downs that we go through in the studio. We all do, and it's um, it must be very nice to have us have that understanding that's very deep understanding of the frustrations or the happiness when something works out and all that is is excellent and i i um you know when i teach workshops sometimes i encounter some of my students who really do not have anybody in their life who is talking to them about their work or who truly respects what they're trying to do um it's hard uh, for families sometimes to understand, and particularly if it's someone who has had another career and they come into it late in life, and all of a sudden they're in their studio all the time, and the people around them are saying, um, "What's going on? You know, what happened to you? You're different." Mm-hmm. And it's it's really a struggle for a lot of people. And um, but I think I think what it gets back to is that it's very important to have people to talk to, and I think. You know, your situation is, is really good in that way. But for anyone to, you know, try and reach out and find people to have to have that honest conversation with. Mm-hmm. I, one of the, you know, while we don't talk to each other about each other's work uh, all the time, where what we do is that we, we look at a lot of art. Mm-hmm. We look at a lot of art in galleries and museums, and we look at art on the internet. And so, I th- wouldn't you say, Deborah, that our conversation about art in general and what other people are doing uh, is really one of the uh, main topics of our conversation? Well, it's pretty exciting because you can easily tell that we like each other's work. I mean, you know, I look in Frank's studio, and it's, you know, this whole thing about surface and mark making and same is going on in my work and the type of art that we both respond to is very similar when we're just out and about so you you say oh did you see that that was great yeah you see that's beautiful to be able to share that and be excited about that do you ever find that you like one and the other one doesn't or sometimes but not often i think we're pretty much uh, together and we collect you know we um, we have a limited budget but we do collect art and we talk about a piece before we purchase it it's right. to make, make sure, sure that we're both together on it and uh, so that that part is beautiful it you is know, to be able to share I, I know way. from from selling my own work and from talking to galleries, sometimes selling to a couple is one of the hardest <laughs> things. <laughs> I, yeah. And you run your, excuse me, you run your own gallery here, so mm-hmm. you deal with people buying art, and you know, it's a, if it's two people and they're going to hang it in their home, it's it may be hard for them to agree 
what they both like, mm-hmm. if they both truly care. And sometimes that's not the case. Uh, that's like, whatever. true. That's true. Well, you know, we always kind of look at each other when the couple comes. <laughs> it's going to be a really hard day. <laughs> you know, I mean, you might not make that sell, but then that's okay. You know, to me, nothing would be worse for a piece to go into a home and the, let's say the the wife or one one partner liked it and the, the other, other one, one did. didn't. I mean, that would be terrible. So, yeah. So I guess it's just something that you have yeah. to deal with. But it's a real joy too when you find a, when a couple when they mm. both like your work. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and that's we find oh, that yeah. really yeah. exciting. It's, yeah. Yeah. So one one last thing I'd like to talk to you a little bit about, and this was a maybe a little touchy topic for a lot of people is that when we're associated with other artists and whether they're our friends, our spouses, our relatives, um, sometimes there's a bit of a, it's a, I guess I would say professional envy or discomfort with success. This is an uncomfortable topic, but I think I would say that most people experience this. Most artists experience the feeling that uh, someone else uh, got into a show and I didn't, or I look on Facebook and somebody sold five paintings and I haven't sold any for a while, or whatever it is, we're kind of, we have our antennas out about how is the other artist doing? How are people doing that we know? And we, I think, I think most artists work very hard to feel good for each other. And, and it, most artists are very generous and appreciative um, of each other's success but I think there's sometimes a little a little germ of you know how do I deal with this now um, you're married you you've been married for a while so I assume that if this has ever been an issue you've worked it out (laughs) but I'm just kind of wondering if this has ever come up or how you dealt with it or do you deal with it now well I yeah, it's a reality. I think every artist, you know, we all want to be accepted uh, at a certain level. I am. I can say honestly that I've never been jealous for Deborah and her success because she. I don't know of another artist that works as hard in the studio as Deborah. No. And <laughs> and she's she's honest and she's speaking her truth through what through her art. So I am really pleased when she makes sales. She sells a lot more than I do. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I guess to be perfectly honest, when, when we're going to a gallery, going into a, a particular galleries, I guess, and you see some work up and it's selling really well, and Deborah and I might look at each other and go, really? Yeah. You know, <laughs> but we're happy for the artists who's selling the work and you and you I guess in the back of your mind you're going well my my work should be in in, uh-huh. in in this gallery but my motive and my reasoning for doing um art has never been uh to sell if it sells that's fine mm-hmm. and I'm happy and I'm pleased and I'm appreciative but the reason for me doing art is there's just something I have to do. Yeah. It's just something, in it's just something a part of who I am, and so I guess in you know in living off of a, a teacher's retirement is is 
it's, 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 it's nice, but it's, it's not all the money in the world, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but I just do the work. We never, I never, and I don't think Deborah does, we don't create art for a show or this or that. We just, we just do art mm-hmm. and what we have mm-hmm. if the show wants it, mm-hmm. so the gallery keep, wants it. You keep that centered idea of why you do it, and I think that's, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I think that's, that really is the key to avoid that competition because mm-hmm. once you get into that realm of who's more successful um you you lose sight of it i mean it, it's a dangerous road mm-hmm. to go down it's just you know it's something people deal with though mm-hmm. so i believe yeah. if you're honest in the studio and you're doing your work and you're putting in the time and you're putting in the thought then you're going to have an audience it may yeah be smaller or larger than someone else but you'll have your audience yeah. So, um, yeah, but it, it is a reality that artists face. Deborah? Yeah. <laughs> you have anything to add to this? Well, you know, my mind, I've had a lot of conversations going on in my head. Um, I'm very sensitive for Frank and for me, like when somebody comes to our gallery and they might respond just to one of our work and not the other. Uh-huh. We're both standing there. And that's hard yeah. uh, because I think both of us are coming from the right place in our work. And um, so that's always, it's made me um, nervous in a way because I want everybody to love our work equally. (laughs) And it's not going to be that way, but that's my dream world. Uh, And Frank did say something, you know, he has a retirement and I don't. Mm -hmm. I need to sell. I, um, and so I, I'm not saying I, I might seek other opportunities outside of what we're doing here so that I could support my income. You you teach workshops and things. I do teach workshops and I love that. And I need to be around people and share Mm -hmm. that part I really like. And so I'm more involved in uh, some galleries than uh, Frank is. But I feel like in the beginning of my career, at, at least 20 years ago, I did art for the galleries. The work was selling. I, I was doing my work, but I was really working. You know, a gallery would say, well, do you have a piece that's 32 inches tall? It's like, yeah, yes. mm-hmm. I'm not doing it anymore. That's what New Mexico has given me because oh. I have the time now I'm not wasting any time. I'm in the studio, and I make the work. And when the gallery needs more work, I'll send images. And it's like you select. This is what I'm doing now, and that's where I am. And so, so it's, you're it's, you're in control of what you're offering, and yeah. and maybe yeah. it's it, it's not always uh, that smart financially, but it it does. You know, it's okay because where we are in our head. In making art and doing what we love, we're so passionate mm-hmm. about our work. I don't right. want to lose that. When I, yeah, I think what you're describing is a situation of, um, I think some of the um, elements that enter into people being competitive, being insecure about how their work is doing, and all those things have so much to do with, um, oftentimes, a real need to sell. Sometimes, though, that's not it. it. It can also be a need to be af- affirmed and acknowledged and recognized. And I think 
finances aside, you you can get to a mature point in your work and your life where you start to say, mm, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. And uh, if there's there will be an audience somewhere, we just have to find it. And that's a much more settled position, I think, for um, going forward and, and not stressing too much about one's uh, place on the ladder. <laughs> because, I mean, it's it's a cliche, but there's always people who are doing better than you, and there are always many people who are not doing as well. And the more you look around at that, the further you get from your own purpose, I think. Well, plus it's so regional. You know, we were shocked because, you know, living in Atlanta, and we knew the that whole art scene. Mm-hmm. And then we came here, and so many people didn't know the artists that we highly respected in oh, Atlanta, right. you know, so it is so regional. And you just have to believe that mm-hmm. there is a space and a place for everybody in this crazy art world, huh? I, I think that's a really good, that's a really good attitude. Um, and, you know, on some level, you know, I, I always feel like if anybody's doing any art, whether I like it or not, or whether I think it's good or not, they're doing art. I mean, you know, come on. Absolutely. <laughs> it's better than many other things people could be doing. And Absolutely. so I think the more generous and supportive we can all be with each other, the, the, the best it is, and not to become elitist or putting people down because they're not where you are and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It can be nasty out there, honestly. And I, But I find so many artists are really very kind and generous and supportive of one another, which always gives me a lot of... Feeling good feelings and hope, and you know, it's we're all in this same boat in some way. So, well, look at us, all three of us are teachers, teachers. too. Yes, we're full time artists and teachers, and yes, that's true. And that's the beauty that's a way to, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a way to to give back and and help people. And yeah, it's pretty satisfying, right. Well, I want to thank you both. This has been a really interesting conversation. Um, and I, Frank, we didn't get your website. My website is frankshelton.art.com. Okay. Dot com. Okay. <laughs> frankshelton.art.com. Great. And we'll put we'll put links to those when oh, we thank um, you. when we publish the podcast. So, um, thanks so much. This oh, was fun. Thank you, Rebecca. And thank you. Can't wait to come back to your place. <laughs> All right. Well, that about wraps up this episode of the Messy Studio. You can find the Messy Studio on Facebook. There you'll find photos and show notes, as well as relevant links. You can also find public Facebook profiles for Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Make sure to check out www.coldwaxbook.com and www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, rate and review the show. You can also look for us on Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week. Until then, embrace your own creative space, messy or otherwise. Thank you.